Hello and welcome to the Seems Legit Podcast, hosted by your favorite craft beer drinking, whiskey sipping, bourbon appreciating, sushi eating, steak craving, speedo wearing, tell it like it is, poker playing guitars, the dude himself, the dude Sunny D. I want to thank you all so much for tuning into this episode uh, of the Seems Legit Podcast. Big shout out to all our friends of the podcast. First and foremost, we've got Selfix Doctors located here in Winnipeg at 666 St. James Street. Please visit them for any cell phone, tablet, and screen repair needs you might have. Mention the Seems Legit podcast and receive 10% off. Also, we've got Skin Dimensions Tattoo right here in Corden Avenue. Please go and see uh, Kelly and Glenn for any of your tattooing needs and Claire for any of your piercing needs. Uh, we've also got B-Boys Honey, locally made uh, honey here in uh, Manitoba. Uh, check them out. They're available in co-op, a lot of your local delis. Um, great product, great honey. They're uh, usually available at the Downtown Biz uh, Farmer's Market as well as the St. Norbert Farmer's Market. Uh, check them out if you have a chance. Great local product, uh, delicious. Uh, I swear by their product. It's fantastic. Um, can't say enough good things about it. Uh, so yes, check them out. Local business here. Big shout out to them down in, uh, Fayetteville, Georgia. We got zero gravity games. Uh, please visit them for any used rare and vintage gaming needs you might have, uh, and say hello to Ronnie Mac and Justin for me. Uh, they'll appreciate it. Uh, and last but not least, we've got the Vegas Squares podcast, sports talk by sports fans for sports fans. Uh, and kind of fitting, I leave off there um, as today's episode is a sports-related episode. But I also want to th- give a big thank you to all of you for the continued and growing support here on the Seems Legit podcast. Really means the world to me, so thank you so much. Uh, if you aren't already doing so, please follow me on both Twitter and Instagram at the Dude Sunny D. All right. Let us uh, get into it. Let's talk some hockey today. Uh, big night last night. Actually, a big couple of nights in hockey. Um, I did an episode a, co- a couple of episodes ago, episode 78. Uh, I, I talked about things to watch for in this last week uh, of the season. So I think it's kind of fitting. Yeah, there might be a lot of hockey content right now in the podcast, but we're getting into the playoffs. I am a hockey fan, so uh, I'm going to talk about hockey. That's just the way it is. Uh, but... Uh, hopefully I can make it interesting for all of you. So that's that's the key. Uh, really, when you're a speaker of any kind or a talker of any kind, is it's not so much what you're talking about, but it's how you can engage your audience to want to listen to what you have to say on the subject that you are talking about. And that's always the challenge. And that's kind of, and for me here on the Seems Legit podcast, that's my thing. And that's what I'm trying to do for all of you is give you something that you can listen to, enjoy, take away things maybe you can apply in your everyday life, hopefully make your life a little better, a little easier, uh, relieve some stress, uh, all of that. That's really what we're, I'm here to do on the Seems Legit podcast. So uh, no matter what the subject matter I'm talking about is, my goal is to get you engaged in that. So hopefully I'm doing a good job. Um, and based on continuing like growing sport, I like to think I am. So thank you again for that. Uh, so yes, hockey. Um, so now I wanted to kind of update. We've had a couple of nights of hockey into the season, into the week now. Uh, some things are developing. Some storylines are kind of changing. And uh, we're kind of getting a more clear picture in some areas of the playoffs. Uh, we're also kind of seeing uh, some interesting races tighten up. People get eliminated, uh, which is all what happens in this last week of hockey. Uh, things kind of solidify themselves as with every moment, actually. So it's not even so much even what's happening in your game anymore that kind of 
is mattering now. Uh, things that are happening in other games also are impacting you. So we're going to take a look at all of that. Uh, some of the news about some of the teams and players. So let's take a look. Uh, so just on TSN today already, uh, we're seeing um, that... Uh, a big storyline is uh, Eric Carlson and the Sharks. So the Sharks got back Joe Pavelski last night. Uh, Eric Carlson says he'll be ready for the playoffs. Um, he had kind of, I think it was, if it was still the groin injury that he's out with, it has his injuries have managed to slip completely under the radar in San Jose. And it's kind of interesting how we I've talked about in the past about being the guy and being the center of attention in a city. In Ottawa, he was the captain. He was the guy. He was the man. Um, and when you are in that position, what ends up happening a lot of the time is everybody knows your business and your business is the first one out there. And when that's happening, it's hard to kind of sometimes focus on the task at hand. And I get it. Everybody's suffered with that at times. It's normal. It happens. Not everybody has to have, you know, be able to get the distractions out at all times. So I think with Carlson having been the guy there in Ottawa, all this focus of the team not performing very well, you know, being the one goal away from a cup final to being like dead last in the conference or in the league. You know, all of these things, getting out of that environment has been, I think, a very nice breath of fresh air for him over in San Jose, where he's just a piece of a much bigger puzzle. You go from in a team like Ottawa where it's about certain attractions that bring people to watch versus San Jose where it's about the team and what the shark, what it is to be a San Jose Shark, what the San Jose Sharks represent, all of these kind of things. You, you get a much different kind of aspect to that in San Jose than you would in Ottawa. So he's been able to kind of have the most un-covered like, story. Like this has been super undercovered. Uh, I don't even know if that's the right word, but I'm going to use it anyway. Like, the, the coverage on this has been so minimal uh, when it comes to uh, Eric Carlson's groin injury, which has kind of been a breath of fresh air, I think, for the Sharks, as well as uh, for Carlson himself. So the Sharks have allowed him to do his thing, get ready. And, I mean, that's a tough – and this is what I've been ta I was talking about, I think, in the last episode – was this idea of those first-round matchups being very tough between the second and third teams in the division. Is There is a bit of a gap in terms of matchup when you go from those division winners to those second and third in the divisions. I think that's the complaint that a lot of teams are having, and well, even general managers are having, is that the second-place team is essentially getting kind of punished uh, by having to play um, a team that could be almost just as good as them in the second, in the first round. And you're seeing these kind of great premier matchups, but in the first round of the playoffs, which kind of skew things. And I mean, it it's kind of that thing like I've talked about many times, path to victory and understanding your paths to victory. And when it comes to, for instance, I know I, I have friends that get into sports betting and I'm sure some of you might be into sports betting or, you know, with March Madness kind of wrapping up now, um, the whole idea of picking brackets uh, even in ter in poker, when you're playing a heads-up tournament, you look at your bracket. You have to look at paths to victory, and you have to kind of understand who has... When you're looking at who you think is going to get to certain spots and who you might have to go up against, you have to look at the bracket, understand the bracket, and kind of look at the matchups there and see who has the roads that can allow them to get where they need to go, um, provided they play and perform at that ability. San Jose and Vegas this year have a very interesting... And potentially both of them very difficult road 
to the Western final. Uh, they have to go through each other first. And I mean, it's last year Vegas had the kind of, the um, series with LA, which was one of the closest series I've ever seen. Every game decided by one goal. Uh, both goalies just putting up Vezina numbers in the first round, uh, which I mean, we've we're not uh, surprised by Jonathan Quick. He always has this way of turning it up in the playoffs, and that's the thing with LA. They're a scary team, and I remember saying that last year too, telling it, uh, a lot of my friends that. I wanted to pick Vegas to win the Western Conference, but I said if L.A. gets in, they haven't been for a little while now. I mean, they're always a tough team to watch, and you have to be careful with the Kings because they'll grind out those one nothing, 2-1 to victories. So uh, you have to be cognizant of your opponents. This year they have a kind of a, a retooled team, um, teams in San Jose and, um, and Vegas looking to kind of I mean it's a rematch of the western at least semifinal so second round matchup which I mean even that series could have been a western final so it's just it's weird how the playoffs are kind of working this these days but it is what it is they're gonna have a tough matchup both teams so San Jose at least gets Carlson back that was a huge addition to their blue line um to kind of counteract all the additions Vegas made up front and was planning to make up front I mean they were still feeling that they might land Ilya Kovalchuk I mean, there's a lot of talk around a lot of players. Um, for, and they were even trying to land Carlson, from what I understand. So, I mean, Vegas was going all in. Uh, the thing about Vegas and cities and and, um, and the market in which you play, there's a certain attraction to certain cities. And Vegas is a very attractive city to live in. So, as such, I think it's easier for them to recruit talent and maintain and keep talent because talent are willing to take that discount because they're like, okay, wait a second. I get to play in an awesome fucking market. Sure, I'll do that. Whereas those players that demand top dollar to play in certain cities, and we've seen this historically on um, big signings by teams. And it's like, well, why would they sign him to that much? It was usually, that's the only price that that player is willing to take because they feel they need to be compensated for the fact that they're playing in whatever town it might be. So keep that in mind. In Vegas, has a system that could easily generate um, contendership kind of moving forward or at least always being in the conversation, uh, which is nice. And George McPhee's not a stupid man. I mean, this is a guy that built that Washington team. Uh, he drafted Ovechkin, uh, Backstrom, I believe he was there for, Holtby, all of these players. So when you look at, and even Alexander Semin, who, I mean, what could play, the, the problem with Alexander Semin wasn't whether he could play or not, it was if he wanted to play. The problem was it seemed like he never wanted to play. But I digress. Uh, so that story there is shaping up with San Jose. So they're looking like they'll have their full team ready to go. Pavelski came back last night. So that'll be an interesting matchup to watch. That one's already set. Uh, San Jose will host the Golden Knights. Um, but something interesting here have been kind of some of the slides and collapses that we're seeing from some teams. Some of the, you know, what could be too late, which, well, not could be, ended up being too little too late. I had said a little while ago, uh, going into those last 10 games of the season, and I stand by this, and talking with other people who understand hockey and are, you know, much smarter than I am, uh, they agreed that the magic formula to kind of leapfrog into a playoff spot if need be or leapfrog in standings, um, assuming teams are playing you know what they should be expected to play. If they were a 60% team all year, 65% team, they're kind of getting 65% of all available points. Um, you have to be expecting to have gone 8-0-2. I truly believe in those last 10 games to have 
put yourself in control of your own destiny or having a real shot at leapfrogging. Don't think there's too many teams that did that, but there were some teams that let things kind of get carried away. Uh, Toronto found themselves in an awkward position uh, because Frederick Anderson was struggling with his play. Um, so they've had to use him a little more than they expected, I think. Uh, the good thing is, is I think they've clinched and they've already clinched and that match is set with the Bruins. So moving forward, it kind of becomes an interesting thing. Anderson's probably going to get played a little more than he would than maybe some would say he should going into the playoffs. But if it gets his game where it needs to be, might not be the worst thing. I would also be interested to see kind of a preseason approach. If you have him play parts of the game, you know, you switch going into the third period, things like that. I don't, I wouldn't be opposed to it. I mean, I'm a very, I think you have to evolve. And as someone, you know, as a thinker, you have to be thinking kind of sometimes outside of the box, coming up with your own strategies. I'm not opposed to it. If I was coaching the Leafs, if I was coaching any team, uh, getting Garrett Sparks back in that net, um, he's looked a little shaky and I'm reading a quote here from him. I'll be ready next year. Um, which is a scary thought when you think about it. Uh, Garrett Sparks uh, did win out the backup job over Curtis McElhaney and uh, Calvin Pickard, uh, which I think when you looked at the depth chart there, he was third, so fourth on the depth chart, and he gets the job. Uh, and, I mean, he had that, I think, a shutout, like a big like a 50-save shutout in his first ever uh, start last season or a couple seasons ago. But hasn't, from what I've seen and, and understood this year, has struggled a little bit. Um, and saying I'll be ready next year implies you're not ready right now. And we've seen in the past when it can happen. All of a sudden, the goalie goes down and now you're stuck with the backup. Being a backup goalie isn't easy. Uh, I've had to do it in my career. Uh, go from starter to backup, backup to starter, whatever it might be. And it's not easy. It really isn't psychologically, physically, a lot of things. So it kind of becomes, and at the NHL level, though, you're having, you know, you're having way more ice time. You're having those repetitions through practice and whatnot. So at least you're hoping to stay sharp there. But that game situation, that pressure situation of being in the game. I mean, I can play as much online poker as I want. To me, it still doesn't have that same feeling of even playing a low stakes local charity Tuesday night game uh, here in Winnipeg or a Friday night charity game in Winnipeg. Um, it, they, they just don't compare to that live feel and then you keep raising the stakes on yourself until you get to the where you need to be to perform on whatever the biggest stage might be to you um, and Sparks I think needs to be ready just in case with Anderson's increased workload uh, you just never know um, and you can't be too careful so I'd like to see them really work with Garrett Sparks and get him psychologically where he needs to be um, or whether it's physically where he needs to be whatever it might be he needs to get there. Um, I really do believe that. Uh, so I think for the, the best thing for the Leafs, for Sparks, is to work on getting him ready. Um, and I think splitting that goaltending duty... I was just grabbing my coffee refill here. Um, splitting that goaltending duty with uh, Anderson might not be the worst thing in the world. Um, allowing both of them just to get those repetitions in. The other problem is those that you have a cold goalie coming in for really no reason. Uh, that can be dangerous as well. So I, I don't know. Uh, but uh, they do. I do see another follow-up article here, though, saying um, 
with Sparks continuing to struggle, is Hutchins sin a call-up option? Now, this was something I did want to talk about, um, and now I'm happy that this sparked my memory here. Uh, Michael Hutchinson has had a relatively successful backup goaltending career in Winnipeg. He was actually momentarily kind of supposed to be the heir apparent uh, for the starter's job uh, to Andre Pavlik. And they had tried to experiment with that. Um, they used him and Connor Hellebuck together um, in kind of Hellebuck's first year with the Jets. And, I mean, it, it became a bit of a goaltending disaster. And if I'm not mistaken, I think that might have been the year... They ended up calling up Pavlik, and he got like back-to-back -back or like three or four straight shutouts to get us into the playoffs. Something along those lines. It um, And Pavlik had his moments. I mean, bless his heart, uh, he had his moments. I think the problem was is we had such high hopes for him. Everybody had such high hopes for him. Uh, but I already did uh, an episode talking about that. So, But anyway, um, Hutchinson had a good career. He was a good backup. The problem is he was becoming a bit of an expensive backup, and there was other goalies in the system, and it was creating a bit of a logjam. So, okay, I get that. So they moved, they shipped him out this year uh, to make room for uh, Laurent Brassois uh, as the backup here, and then they had uh, kind of a weird kind of tricycle of goaltenders between Ken Appleby. I want to make sure I'm getting these names right. So Ken Appleby, Mikhail Burdine. I don't know why I have that fucking grandfather's clock, but I still do. Anyway, we have uh, Mikhail Burdine and Eric Comrie. So Comrie was kind of going to get the number one job again with the Moose. Um, he kind of split that duty with Hutchinson last year, I think it was. And, I mean, Hutch played well. That was the problem. So, I mean, where do you go, right? So you have to make some tough decisions. It is what it is. Hutch was let go. Toronto picked him up. Which kind of, I mean, is a good fit for him. He can go play in the uh, for the Marlies, have some success there, uh, be the guy down there. Uh, no problem with that. Um, but also now put some pressure on Sparks. Um, I think when you may, when you kind of get the job the way he did, there is a lot of pressure to be good um, and a lot of expectation. And with Freddie Anderson, I mean, I think yeah, he's twenty nine, so you still have some good prime years left. You still need that goal, the backup goalie. I think we're getting away now. We're digressing away from that, from the starter playing 72 games and expecting to carry you through the playoffs. To now, the ideal thing for your starter would be 55 games, I think is what they're saying. Somewhere in that 50 to 57 game range is where they want their starter playing, meaning you're expecting a lot more out of your backup. Um, and if you can get it, great. A uh, great example of that has been in Tampa Bay, Louis Domingue going 21 and 6 as a backup. I mean, those are starter numbers. Um, I think it was Mika Kiprasov won his first Vesna trophy after only playing 34 games one year, something ridiculous like that, or 43 games. So, I mean, these numbers, we're putting those numbers um, right out of the water. I'm keeping those ones right out of the water. So, it is what it is, but that's kind of becoming the expectation now as, I mean, as the league evolves, the game gets faster, goalies now, their equipment got streamlined in, which is good to see. Um, scoring is up, and it should be. Um, and I think you're seeing that now. Way more 100-point um, getters now. You're having multiple 100-point getters or multiple 90-plus point um, scores on teams again. You're seeing um, at least one 50-goal scorer and potentially more 50-goal scores. So the league's kind of getting back to where it needed to be. Um, it's exciting to watch. Uh, it's not as frustrating. You're not seeing goalies just stand in the net and cover everything, which was becoming the case. So it's nice to see. Um, but now, 
I mean, you're having to work a little harder. So I think I like that too. And I like the idea of, of letting the backup play more. I think, you know, they're there to play as well. Take some pressure off the starters. Um, it also does change some dynamics now. So now I think you're not expecting your starter to be only having a 60-something percent uh, winning percentage. Um, I think you're expecting now your starter in those cases to have a well over 70% uh, win rate in those high 70s, that 75 to 77% range, um, and getting points, you know, in upwards of potentially 80% of games they play, they're getting you points um, with that 70-plus percentage uh, of them being wins. I like that. I really do like that, but I, th you know, you're, it's going to take... I mean, the days now, I think, of seeing a goalie pull off 47 and 48 wins in a season, I don't know if you're going to see that again uh, for a little while with this goaltending split. But I like it. I think it's healthier for the game. It's healthier for the goalies. It's better for everybody. Um, you're not seeing that shell shock situation where if a goalie goes down, what do we do? Uh, which was Montreal a few years ago against uh, the New York Rangers when Carey Price went down and Dustin Tokarski had to take over in that. So these are the things that happen. It is what it is. But uh, with Hutchinson being there in Toronto, um, it could light that fire under Garrett Sparks' ass to get his shit together. Huh. Or, in the other side, is maybe Sparks needs a conditioning stint. Now, I'm not sure if he has a one-way or two-way contract, but if he has a two, you know, maybe you need to flip them up. You know, is let uh, Hutchinson come up to the big team and Sparks go down to the Marlies and figure some things out. Uh, again, the the thing with this is it's not doesn't mean it's the end of Sparks' career. It just means if you're Toronto now, he might be on the uh, chopping block. You might be able to trade him for some draft picks, especially if there's a team that can see some something in him. Uh, I mean, look at guys like Devin Dubnik. Uh, you know, uh, wasn't having overly great success anywhere uh, in Edmonton, in Arizona. And now look at him. Now he's um, crushing it in Minnesota. And the only reason why Minnesota wins games pretty much sometimes now is because of Devin Dubnik. And and he's widely kind of regarded as one of the better goalies in the league, if not one of the best. So that's kind of interesting. And even last year in the playoffs, I kind of found, even though Hellebuck tied for the league lead and wins, there was still kind of an aura that Dubnik was the superior goalie. And that that was a bit of an edge that Minnesota had over the Jets. And I think, you know, you kind of saw that because there were some games where Dubnik just looked fucking unreal against the Jets. So, I mean, yeah. So you have to make those decisions as to who's get, who are going to be your guys, and that's part of the game. So we'll see how that shapes up. But let's get into some of the standings um, stories here and see how that has developed uh, over the little, uh, over this week, or the start of the week here. Because, uh, I, I mean, a number of teams, as I said, you can be in the middle of a game where you need it was a must win, but now all of a sudden it doesn't fucking matter because the other teams won their games. And that's kind of the beauty and sad thing about these. And, and it's hard to see it as a player. It's hard to have experienced it as a player. Now, I never experienced it at the NHL level uh, or anything close to that. But still that sentiment of, you know, that disappointment. And I remember being one year, we were at practice. And we busted our asses for, you know, the first 25 minutes of practice. I think we'd booked even a two-hour practice that night. And in anticipation, we were tied in the standings with a team. So the team not only needed to win the game, but they needed to allow one goal or fewer. 
and we had sent one of the parents, I guess, went to watch that game and was contacting, you know, one of the other parents who was telling our coach. And I remember the coach is all of a sudden kind of pulling the plug after the first kind of half an hour of working hard. And he was like, hey, guys, like, let's maybe take it a little easier because this might, might very well be the last practice of the season uh, because we just won't win on goal differential and they'll get the last playoff spot. And it was tough because, I mean, we had a very talented team. Uh, we struggled with some consistency issues at times, but it is what it is. And, you know, consistency, it, it just goes to show that consistency is important. Uh, but anyway, it uh, we didn't make it. And that kind of stunk, you know, being in the middle of the practice, then all of a sudden, whatever. And then, have it, and then the worst part was is those... Um, as I had friends playing lower levels of hockey that were winning the city championships that year. So they were proudly parading their city championship jackets and good for them, various city championship rings and whatnot. And I mean, good for them. I was very proud and happy for them, but I mean, it, it, it did sting knowing you were on the better team that you could have beaten any of their teams. And I mean, they got their shit together and we didn't. Like, end of story. So when I said sometimes you need to get your shit together, I've been there. I've been in those experiences. I've, I've had to do it myself. And it just is what it is. It's part of life. It's part of growing up. It's part of being a human being. Uh, you know, I, I've got to give credit to McDonald's here for having absolutely delicious coffee. Uh, not a not a, um, a paid plug. This is my own opinion. Uh, McDonald's coffee is delicious. Anyway, let's get into those uh, wildcard races. So I think when we look at it now, yeah, so pretty much, I mean, in the Met, I mean, Columbus, I think it is, or even Carolina could hypothetically get in. Um, that could overtake Pittsburgh, but I, I do think it's going to be Washington, New York, Pittsburgh winning that division. Uh, the wild card race, though, in um, in the East, is a three man uh, race now. Uh, all the other teams are well, well, way, well back, uh, but it is a three t uh, three team race uh, with Montreal on the outside looking in and not in control of their own destiny at all. Uh, they did pick up a huge win last night, but and I mean coupled with the Columbus loss, but Carolina uh, is ahead of them in points. So, I mean, it's tough, but you got to dig deep. I mean, if you can't beat some of these teams now, it sounds horrible. If you can't beat them now, how the hell are you going to expect to beat them in the playoffs? So, for Montreal, when I think they have a very tough... It's tough when you have that, a tough schedule ahead of you. I think they have Washington even as one of their matchups. Um, you know, it, it is what it is, sadly. And I'd like to see the Canadians just because, as I said, I've become a big Carey Price fan of late. Um, and also, I mean, Columbus, fuck, what do you, what, like, okay, so Columbus gets in. Are they beating Tampa Bay? Not a chance. Like, that's a, that's a lock. I would say that's about as good of a lock as you could have in hockey. Uh, that's my lock of the first round, if that's how that matchup plays out. Tampa Bay will just be too much and slaughter Columbus. So, Again, Columbus, as I've said before, big loser of the trade deadline, and I don't even know what the heck's going to happen there in the offseason. Uh, but it, that's a tough team. That's a tough organization, and it sucks because, again, it's that kind of market attractiveness. I think they've, you know, they've attracted big players, but then those players all want to leave. 
Carter left, Nash left, and he was the face of the franchise. Sergey Fedorov, um, I think, briefly was there and left. Just didn't matter. Like it's it's been so hard for them to um, keep talent there. Uh, and I mean, with their big two, well, I guess big four now, and even five. I don't know if, if Kincaid's even. Maybe Kincaid was brought in because okay, he'll take over from Bobrovsky uh, if and when Bobrovsky leaves. But anyway, yeah. It's a three-team race, uh, so everybody in the East has kind of fallen out of the, by the wayside there, but they were all done a while ago. Uh, in the West, though, things are still interesting, still very, very interesting. Uh, Minnesota is officially out. Uh, Edmonton, all of them are officially out. Um, but uh, going forward, you have a three-team race again there for a playoff spot. Dallas clinched last night with a big win, and they've looked fucking good lately. They've been a very scary team lately. Um, and if they win, you know, they win out, uh, they'll be a team to watch. So, yeah, and they get the first wild card spot, so they'd be facing the winner of the Central Division. And as I've said, that's a tough matchup for uh, if Winnipeg does hold out in the Central, but we'll get into that. But the wild card, uh, Colorado has pulled four points ahead of Arizona now. So that... Um, is is the race to watch there? Dallas has clinched, so there's only one um, playoff spot uh, available in the uh, Western Conference. It'll come down to Colorado and Arizona. Um, I, an Arizona loss coupled with a Colorado win um, essentially put it out of reach. So, actually, I think a, a Colorado point. Uh, so let's say Arizona wins; they'll have one game left, and they'll have 86. Colorado would have 89. Yeah, so so many things. Arizona's completely out of doesn't have any control. It'd be uh, I'd be shocked to see it ha happen. Basically, Colorado has to lose clean in their last two games. Arizona has to win uh, clean in theirs. I don't see it happening. So Colorado's going to get in there. Colorado against Calgary is a very interesting matchup. And here we go. In their last 10 games, going into with two games left, in their last 10 games, Colorado has gone 7-1-2. So almost 8-0-2, like I said, and that's why they're in control of their own destiny. So there you go. I'm not, you know, I, I know what I'm talking about. Um, St. Louis, again, 7-2-1 in their last 10 games, in control of their own destiny. Uh, Calgary took control of things. They went 7-3. Uh, San Jose stunk it up. Uh, going one eight and one in their last ten. Vegas could have made up some ground. I would have liked to have seen Vegas go seven one and two, uh, pick up four points and be tied with San Jose there. So a bit of a blown opportunity there by Vegas. Uh, but I think too when you know you're in the playoff spot, you know the matchup. Is it worth the extra wear and tear on your players to try and move up the standings just for that extra game? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, and I mean, they, they, Vegas has kind of had some injury issues. Stasny was out for a while. I think Patch Reddy was out for a while. Uh, Flurry. So, I mean, you got to keep your guys healthy. Uh, I think Schmidt was out at the beginning of the season. So, all of these things factored in. Uh, I, I can't disagree. I, you know, I would have liked it, but it is what it is, and I get it. So, that's that. Central Division is the interesting one now. St. Louis according to this, will have three games left. So they now have the game in hand. And here we go, people. 8-0-2 puts you in control. 7-2-1 right now is putting St. Louis in control. So if St. Louis wins out here, they will pick up an additional six-point move to 100 points. 
Um, and they would have 44 uh, wins. Uh, I think the only difference might be different goal differential at that point, and I think Winnipeg holds a tiebreaker currently with that, but you never know. Winnipeg would have to win out. Nashville would have to win out. Nashville would lose the tiebreaker. So Nashville, if, if all three teams, if, if this is up to date uh, with all of them having three games left, or with St. Louis having the three, Winnipeg and Nashville having two, this is interesting. And this is what happens when you don't get your shit together. St. Louis wins out, puts the pressure on the other two teams now to have to win out. The Jets have to win out. They just finished playing back-to-back games. Had they have won last night, would have remained in control of their own destiny. It's tough when you have to play back-to-back nights. But those are those games. People say, oh, it's because we played back-to-back games the end of the night of the season. No, 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 no. Fuck that. And don't buy into that rhetoric at all. It's not that kind of shit that uh, screws things up. It's when teams lose the games they needed to win or should have won throughout the season. And the Jets were having a lot of those games that they should have won get out of their hands. Like just a couple weeks ago when they beat um, Nashville, that big win over Nashville. And what do they do? They come back and lose at home to like Dallas and I think L.A. That's four points right there. So those four points right there would have had them at 100 points already with two games to go. They're in control of their own destiny. So, I mean, if you go through and look at that, I mean, I've been saying it, that seems to be the case with my beloved Jets, but, I mean, I, you know, they, they got to figure that out. They really have to get over that hump and that obstacle. But, regardless, um, St. Louis right now in the West is the only team 100% in control of their own destiny-ish. They need some help. Uh, from Winnipeg, because they would need to win the secondary tiebreaker, which I'm not sure. I think it's the goal differential. Uh, if it's goals for, they lose it. Pardon me. If it's goals against, they'd win it. So I don't know. But if it comes down to goal differential, then that is where it becomes interesting, because they have to make up seven. on. They have to go plus seven on Winnipeg um, over the remaining three games. So that's tough to do. Uh, but... Um, indifferential. So that's kind of the storyline there. That central division is still up in the air. Uh, the metropolitan division, I mean, is kind of up in the air technically. Uh, if New York wins out, but I mean, even if they win out, Washington needs uh, one. No, nope, they need a win. A win by Washington and it's done. So Washington had the chance the other night against, I think it was Carolina. They couldn't get the job done. Uh, and hence why we have this mess at the bottom there. But it is what it is. I think that finishes out the way it is. Uh, so that'll be interesting to see uh, how that one shapes up. Uh, but I think Washington wins the Mets. Uh, I'd be very shocked if they don't. Uh, but the Central Division, anything can happen. And let's even see if we can find the, sh- uh, the schedule here. So let's take a look at the schedule and see what we got coming up. Because I think Winnipeg... Well, Winnipeg finishes out on the road. I know that. So, including the back-to-back from last night, they uh, would have uh, four straight games on the road to finish. St. Louis is at Chicago tonight. Chicago is... um, Yeah, Chicago's out, so it doesn't even matter there. Uh, So, yeah, so they've got... They're in Chicago... 
Oh, they play a back-to-back, though. So, But then they go home on Thursday to play who? The Lowly Senators? They play Philadelphia. Um, and I like that matchup at home. So that's good news. Um, let's see here. Winnipeg's on the road in Colorado. Uh, so that'll be interesting to see because... No, Phoenix does not, or Arizona does not play there. So Arizona. Oh, so there's going to be some eyes on that Vegas-Arizona game. So that's interesting in itself. So right there at the um, on Thursday, a lot will be decided there. Um, if the Jets lose, oh my word. So St. Louis, win, if they can win tonight, put a lot, a lot, a lot of pressure on... Uh, the Jets and even the uh, Predators. Uh, we got yeah, and as I said about Montreal's schedule is not looking too favorable because they they're at Washington on Thursday. Uh, where's Carolina? Carolina's at home to New Jersey, uh, and that's a very winnable matchup for them. Uh, so who else do we have? Columbus on the road in New York. That's a very winnable matchup. Yeah, it doesn't look good for our Canadians, but. And then St. Louis at home on Saturday to Vancouver. Uh, Montreal gets to host Toronto on Saturday in the last game of the season. Winnipeg's on the road in Arizona. So that'll be interesting too because depending on how things go Thursday for Arizona, we'll know uh, the implications of Saturday's game. So Thursday's the big day uh, really in... Um, in the NHL, it could kind of make some of those last two days irrelevant. Uh, and that's when you see a lot of those late season call-ups. That's when you see kind of the minor league goalie star. You see a lot of those guys who deserve the call-up from the NHL kind of get that run with some of their teams. So it'll be interesting to see. I think Thursday is when you're going to see a lot of GMs looking to make roster moves in terms of uh, call-ups and call-downs uh, and so forth. But is what it is. Let's see. Uh, let's just do a quick check on the stats here. But I think Kucherov is still... Uh, just absolutely running away with the uh, Art Ross Trophy. So let's take a look here uh, briefly. But yeah, the Central, it's interesting to see. And as I said, St. Louis does have a very favorable thing with two games at home. So, oh well. Yeah, Kucherov is uh, 10 points. Yeah, McDavid's not going plus 10 on Kucherov, or I guess plus 11 to make up the difference on Kucherov. <laughs> In the last two games of the season. Again, though, it's that uh, the, the big thing there is that he did play in four fewer games. And at about a two-point, yeah, one and a half, point six. Yeah, it could have made it interesting. And, I, I mean, you lose momentum, too, when you're not playing, right? So that's a big thing as well. And I think they'd done a study like that or looked at something uh, similar to that with um, Pavel Bure when they talked about him and the scoring pace and how injuries drastically hindered his ability to challenge some of Wayne Gretzky's numbers. And I think they discovered that if you had t factored out all of the injuries when they occurred and kept things at the rate he was going at, I think he would have absolutely slaughtered Gretzky's goal totals. So very sad how things like that happen. Uh, again, we're on the verge of seeing potentially two more 50-goal scores, as I've said. Uh, in uh, Ovech in uh, Tavares and Drysaddle, Ovechkin's got a four-goal cushion there. Uh, so we'll see uh, how much he plays uh, over the next little bit. I think that depends on how many goals Tavares and Drysaddle are scoring. Uh, and in points, as I said, we've had a lot of hundred-point getters. So we've already got one, two, three, four, five uh, hundred-point getters. 
where scores and we still have with two games left I would say players with five points could potentially get there and you have Crosby and Stamkos both at 95 but then you have Goudreau and McKinnon who could put up I mean three points over two games isn't impossible uh, when you think about it so uh, yeah you could see uh, potentially in my opinion upwards of uh, four more Bring the total to 900 point scores in a season. I don't think we've seen that in a long, long, long time in the NHL. So that'll be interesting to see. Because, yeah, I mean, McDavid would have been the top point getter last year, and he's already eclipsed his total from last year. So, yeah, the likelihood we saw nine last year was next to none. So, yeah, it is what it is. But anyway, just uh, updating things, uh, moving going into this final little bit. As I said, big watch right here. I think there's only two things really left to watch for. That's going to be the Maurice Richard uh, race for goals as well as that uh, race in the Central Division is going to be interesting. But uh, I'll leave it off uh, for there for now. I thank you all so much for tuning in to this episode of the Seems Legit Podcast. Uh, once again, if you aren't already doing so, please follow me on both Twitter and Instagram at the Dude Sunny D. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. Take care and bye-bye for now.